Now today I want to read two portions of Scripture, quite a few verses, but the uh, reading of the Scriptures is more important than anything that I would say. It's God's precious Word. First of all, in Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 13. And this is the angel speaking to Lot. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And while the morning arose, when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy daughters, thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest thou be consumed. Down to verse 22. Again, the same men or the angels are speaking to Lot. Haste thee, escape thither, or I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. And the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and they which grew upon the ground, and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back, from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Luke chapter 23, please. Shorter reading here, verse number 39. And the scene again is Calvary's Hill, the three crosses on Calvary's Hill. Luke 23, verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And we know that God will bless this public reading of his precious word. A few years ago, there was a little expression among the young people, a little abbreviation. It was called FOMO, F-O-M-O, standing for fear of missing out. And the young people turned more and more to social media because they didn't want to miss out. They wanted to know who was doing what and where and when and what was going on. Fear of missing out. Earlier on this year, the government very kindly gave all of us over 18 one of these little cards a spend locally card with £200 to spend on it. And there were major problems distributing these cards and getting them out. And people were scared of missing out because they were told that the card expires on a certain date. And if you haven't got your card and it's expired, you lose out. And they were so scared of missing out. You know what amazes me? They were fearful of losing out on £200. And it seems they couldn't care less about missing out on their soul. Do you know what the Bible says about it? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I heard in the news this morning that some 
ticket holder in Britain has just won 171 million on the lottery. I wonder where are they saved? It means nothing. The Bible says your soul is more important than all the riches and wealth of the world. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We don't like to lose anything, but the greatest thing that you could lose is your soul. Tonight I want to speak on two things. In the book of Genesis, I want to speak on a soul and the brink of being saved and yet was lost. I'm not going to say almost saved, because that doesn't mean anything. You're either saved or you're lost. Then I want to speak from the book of Luke on a soul that was almost lost, on the brink of being lost, on the very brink of eternity, and yet he was saved. The background to this story are the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, cities which were steeped in sin and immorality, and the Lord God could tolerate it no more. And he said, I will destroy them. They're not repenting. I will send judgment upon them. Do you know what worries me? The same sins are prevalent now in 2022. And in the, that day of Lot, the city's judgment fell, on, fell upon them and they lost their lives. Do you know what that tells me? Very soon God will move in judgment again. There'll come a time very soon where he will just say, I can sin it's beyond, I'm going to just end judgment, and I believe the coming of the Lord is very, very close. The same sins in Sodom and Gomorrah are prevalent and taken as an everyday procedure and accepted by the world today. A fortnight ago yesterday, I was in the airport at Belfast International Airport going on a flight, and I noticed that I made my way down to the plane. It gave the flight number, I can't remember it, but it says below it, final call. It was a warning in four different forms. First of all, it was bright red, and red means danger. Red means attention, danger of missing it. Final call. Not only was it in red, but it was in capital letters. Another warning. Thirdly, it was flashing. Again, a warning, flashing light. Finally, it was underlined. So the airline were trying to tell us, your flight's about to go. This is the final call or the final warning to go to collect it, four warnings. This lady here in uh, the book of Genesis had four warnings. Verse 15, verse 13, uh, the, the angel said, we'll destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the faith of the Lord. Verse 15, the angel hastened them saying, arise, take thy wife and daughters, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 17, escape for thy life. Verse 22, haste thee, escape thither, as I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Four warnings this dear lady got. The Lord God sent the two angels to tell them, to warn them, the city is going to be destroyed. You have to do something about it. You know, there came the final warning, the last one, the final warning. The warnings went unheeded. You say, well, why did she die? Why did she die then? Was she too slow? No, no, well, the Bible tells us slow. They lingered and they held behind. The angels had to take them by the very hand. You know how foolish they were, putting off the escape, just sitting back. But being too slow wasn't why she died. Was it because she never heard the warning? Oh, she heard the warnings. She heard the warnings. They were very clear. I'm absolutely... Sure that these angels made the warnings clear to her that you're going to perish. That's recorded in Scripture, four different warnings. 
Had she little faith, maybe too little faith, maybe she had, but that wouldn't have stopped her. You say, why did she die? Do you know why she died? She disobeyed God. And that disobedience, it brought immediate, instant judgment. She disobeyed God. God took it very seriously, and he records again in the New Testament when he's talking about the coming of the Lord and the end of the world and so on. He says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Do you know his warning to you and I tonight? Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Not some of you will perish. Those from Christian homes, they might be all right. Or those who attended the gospel meetings. No, no. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, if you don't repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Savior, you'll perish forevermore. Making excuses will not save you. Saying, save me now. When the Lord comes, too late, too late. My family are saved. Too late, too late. No excuse will be valid. Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. I want to ask you in the meeting and those in the car park, from the youngest to the oldest, are you ready to die? It's important to make preparation for school tomorrow, for work, for when you retire. All those things are important. But the greatest preparation that you need is to trust Christ as your Savior. Are you ready to die? Will you say now, wait a minute, say, tomorrow I'm going to do such and such, and and maybe I'll be here next Sunday, maybe I'll get saved next Sunday, or I'll wait till I'm older. You know what the Bible says? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. In other words, don't make too many plans ahead, because they might not happen. Either the Lord will come, or you may die. Most are aware of the tragedy which happened in Limavady just this weekend when a man, a young man of 39 years of age, seemingly in quite good health, special meetings going on in Limavady Gospel Hall. Friday a week ago, he didn't go. I think he made a kind of a promise, I'll go this Friday, I'll go this Friday. Thursday, a massive heart attack. Gone. Never, not able to attend the meetings on Friday. He had his last invitation, possibly his last warning. We leave it with God. But you know, he thought, I'll maybe go to the meeting when it suits me. It didn't happen. And don't you think you've got years in front of you, whether you're a child, a teenager, an older person, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So this woman perished because she disobeyed God. God said very clearly, do not look back. Don't look back. She looked back, and it brought instant judgment. Bible says you must be born again. Not you should be born again. You ought to be born again, or you can be born again. It says you must be born again. It's vital. You must be born again. And if you disobey that, and live without, die without God's salvation, you'll be forever in the torments of hell, and the lake of fire, forever and forever. John reminds us, him that believeth not the Son of God, believeth not the Son of God, will perish, will perish. Whosoever's name is not found with the Lamb's book of life, cast into the lake of fire. 
I think of the little hymn we sing. It's a solemn, solemn hymn. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail. Almost but lost. There was no need for this woman to die. None whatsoever. The preparation had been made for her. But she disobeyed and she died, turned into a pillar of salt. There's no need in the meeting tonight for you to die as well. The preparation has been made. God gave his only son to die on Calvary's cross. And what you have to do, repent of your sin and ask him to save you. He'll never turn you away. I have turned people away and you probably have turned people away as well. Maybe someone you don't want to see or somebody propagating a false religion. But he says, him that cometh to me... I will in no way, in no wise, cast out. This woman was almost on the, just on the brink of being saved, and yet she was lost. On the 8th of January 1989, British Midlands Flight 92 took off from Heathrow Airport bound for Belfast. Took off as normal, everything was fine. On board, a problem developed, and... Uh, they had engine problems and they requested an emergency landing and they gave them permission to land at East Midlands Airport. And so the plane began this descent to East Midlands. And we were almost at the edge of the airport. A mistake was made and the plane just crashed into the edge of the motorway embankment on a cold winter's evening, about half past eight at night, I think it was. And 47 people were ushered into eternity and 74 were injured. You know, it was in sight of the runway, just about 400 metres from the runway, and they'd have been saved. If it had just had a wee bit higher and got over the fence and on the runway, there'd be no problem. Almost, but lost. In sight of the runway. Wouldn't it be sad in the meeting tonight if you lost your soul for all eternity, just in sight of heaven itself, but you just put it off and missed it? My advice to you is turn to him for salvation this very night. A soul on the brink of being saved and yet lost. I want to think now of a soul on the brink of being lost and yet saved. Most, if not all, will know the story so well. When the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, two malefactors, or thieves, as we call them, were hung one on either side behind him on the cross. These two malefactors had no time for Christ in their life. None. And they were now hours away from death. Just hours away from death. They maybe never had the privilege that you and I had of hearing the gospel. There was nobody to encourage them to trust Christ as their Savior. They didn't have the gospels. They only had a portion of the Old Testament. If they could even read it, they were never, probably never read it. They were most likely never at a gospel meeting. They, they certainly were not followers of Christ. Another gospel records us that these two malefactors actually mocked the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. But they, Luke records a little bit more. And one of the thieves uh, said to the Lord Jesus Christ, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us, mocking the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're who you claim to be, he obviously knew something of him because he knew he could save them. He said, If you're the person that you say you are, Save yourself and save us. Very foolish. The other thief, he said, look, um, 
what you're saying is, is rather foolish. He said, we are here because, I'll read the verse again to you, we indeed justly, uh, dost not thou fear God, saying they are in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And this dear man, he asked to be remembered by the Lord Jesus Christ, asked him to save him, and immediately he got the promise he was to be taken by Christ into paradise that very day. Now, why was this man being executed for his crimes? Why is he in heaven? You would think, here's a man, well, he, after a life of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't deserve to be in heaven. We read in the scriptures of other good people, and, you know, that's the kind of person you'd be in heaven, not this man. Why was he in heaven? Because he was such a bad man. The first thing the verse tells us, he repented of his sin and believed on Jesus. Why do you think he believed in Jesus? He took to the other malefactor. Remember, this man's done nothing amiss. We're dying here because we sinned. We deserve to die. This man didn't. We're receiving the due reward of our deeds. So why do you think he believed in Jesus? The verse tells us again in verse 41, we indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. The first reason I believe that he trusted Jesus was the conviction of his sin and what it deserved. He realized, I have sinned. I have been wrong. And I deserve to die. But this man didn't. This man didn't. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. But God's gift, the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The next reason I believe is in verse 40. Because he says, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? A fear of God and not being right with God. What I ask you in the meeting that if you're not saved, have you any fear of God and not being right with God? What does the Bible say? Prepare to meet thy God. Five simple words. Prepare to meet thy God. And I'm very disheartened sometimes that people will make all the preparation, meticulous, careful preparation for so many things, but they're not prepared to meet God. They're not saved. I also believe this man, uh, he was convinced that Jesus had done nothing amiss, and thus, therefore, he was the only Savior. He said, remember again, this man had done nothing amiss. He was convinced that this man was the only Savior because he had done nothing amiss. We sing those words sometimes, the little hymn, There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. I'm not going to go over the time, so we'll close shortly. Verse 42, the final reason is, he says, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He realized that this man was a crucified king, and one day he would come back again as a king. I go, the Bible says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that there you may be also. He realized that this was a king. He was coming back, and I want to be saved. In the meeting tonight, I hope you'll be like that thief on the cross if you're not saved, that you will realize I have nothing to gain and everything to lose if I'm not saved. Again, those words of that hymn strike terror to my heart. Life at its best, at its best, is very brief. Don't think you've got many years in front of you. You may not have. Never assume that because you're in good health. And the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 
The Bible says concerning the coming of the Lord of that day, who knows it? Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one knew when he's coming back again. We haven't a clue, but I'll tell you one thing we have. We know he's coming very soon. He may come tonight. What if he even came before, eight, before, before six o'clock and you weren't ready? You'd be in hell forevermore. The fact that you sat in the gospel meeting today, the fact you've been to Sunday school, the fact that you read your Bible, the fact you brought up in a Christian home, the fact doesn't matter. You need to be saved more than anything else. And so one day soon, the Lord will come. The day of grace will be over. I'm looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ coming again. Heaven is such a wonderful place. No more sin. No more sickness. No more doctors. No more sadness. No more death. No more crying. But the only reason I don't want him to come tonight, and I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting as every believer is, because there are so many I know who are not yet saved, and if he came tonight, they would be lost. It'd be an absolute tragedy. So I hope again on the meeting tonight, you'll remember these two stories of a dear lady who the preparation was made for, and the preparation is made for you. Christ died for our sins, and she just disobeyed God, and she was ushered into eternity. And then in the New Testament, this man who was ours from his death, Shortly afterwards, his legs be broken, and he'd be instantly bitten in eternity. They said the soldiers came to break their legs. Of course, you know they didn't break the legs of the Savior because he just had died shortly before them. It says he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And when they came to break his legs, they didn't do it. But these men were hours from eternity, minutes from eternity. One of them, I believe, he never made his in hell. The other one is with the Savior. Not because... He was a bad man or anything like that. He's with the Savior because he trusted him for time and for eternity. If you're not saved in the meeting tonight, you are falling to the category, you may fall into the category of one of these two. You could be on the brink of being saved and lost. Sadness. Unparalleled sadness. You could also be on the brink of being lost and be saved. I trust that will be the case this very night, shall we pray. <coughs> Our Father, we bow before thee again in the precious worthy name of thy Son. Giving thanks again, Father, for the reading of thy precious word and the gospel may be very feebly preached. We do pray for any in our meeting or outside in the car park who are not yet saved, that they will be wise and come to thee and trust their Savior even this very night. We're so convinced that the coming of the Lord is just around the corner. And what a tragedy it would be for someone to have heard the gospel, to know the scriptures, to have heard them read tonight, and to miss it and be in hell for all eternity. Father, we ask thy blessing upon us. We pray again for any anxious thoughts. They'll not rest until they find it. Take us now to our homes in safety, we ask. And thank thee again for thy love and thy kindness to us. I ask it in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen.